good morning, friends, and happy Father's Day. Let's stand together for worship to praise our Heavenly Father.
who are here in the room, fathers who helped make children, and fathers and mothers and others who will come and help volunteer so they'll have an unbelievable uh, VBS week, which is uh, late July, not quite eight weeks, so a little closer, but Rachel did a great job video on that. So sign up to be a part of VBS. You can just go to our website and do it. But here's what I want to say about Father's Day. But it, online as well as in here, we have a gift for you today. Don't be jealous. I'm keeping these. These are socks with bananas on them. You tell me where you go to church and somebody gives you a pair of socks. There's bananas, there's guitars, there's sharks. When you leave here physically in the room this morning and go out there, socks are going to be for the dads. Do not steal socks. If you are online and you want a pair of socks, if you will text message me right now, I will personally put a pair of socks in a bag and mail them to you via snail mail. That's a promise, but only if you text me, 813-784-4109. Let me look at my notes. What else am I doing? Uh, we're doing all kinds of great stuff. You see it in your seat this Tuesday night, 5 to 7. More fathers and mothers and kids and families and anybody who wants to come, come play kickball and pizza. That's happening right here 
as we're doing that. But one last thing I want to tell you. We really love to know if you want us to know that you're here. You can do a QR code which shows up on the wall. There's a connect card in the back. There's connect cards in the tent. And what that means is we can just help you do what? Connect. We want you to connect with us, with each other, with Jesus himself. And so sign up if you're not getting stuff from us. We want to know that you're here. So Father's Day, welcome. What a great day it is. I personally am going to play golf with family after this is over, and then I'm going to eat animals that I cook on a grill later on after that. That's what dads want to do. We want a steak. So let me pray. We thank you, gracious God, that you are a good, good father. And we may, some of us, even be mixed. Many of us have such great senses of dad. Some of us, however, might be a little nervous, even have been hurt. Some of us might not even know we need a dad, but you, you are a good, good father. And when we connect with you in a relationship that's real, that's authentic, the next thing you know, our relationships with other people and with you transform us. So we want to be really connected to you, and we want to be really connected to each other, and therefore our lives change. Good, good father, thank you that you love us, and we get an image of your love, just a shadow, so to speak. But we get an image of your love by the way dads love their children. So thank you for this chance to celebrate your good, good love for us, a love that never ends. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When God's generosity gets a hold of us, it engages our hearts, our minds, our intentions, and that's why our next young adult mixer is coming around the women that are healing from exploitation in our community where they live at a secret house called the sanctuary. And I want to let Connor Dietz, who's helping lead the charge, tell you about it. Hi, I'm Connor Dietz and my wife Danielle Dietz. And we would like to invite everyone to join us for the young adult mixer. Uh, this month, uh, the monthly mixer on the 28th, um, where we will be caring and providing for the women of Created um, in their secret home, uh, which are women that have been exploited. Uh, and again, we'll be providing them just with a lot of love uh, and a lot of joy uh, for their journey um, and empowerment. And so we ask that you all join us, uh, and it's an awesome thing to be a part of every single month. Uh, and it means a lot to us and to Kathy uh, as well. So if you have any questions, um, please reach out to us, myself, Connor Dietz, Danielle, uh, or Kathy Connor, and we hope to see you there on the 28th. Thank you. And this is the list of items that will help us fill their pantry and fill their souls and honestly fill their hearts with the love of Jesus if you want to participate with us as we prepare for that night. But here are five ways that we can continue to come around these women, letting them know that they are treasured by Jesus and by us as a church. This is a way that you can be generous. You can also use the generosity box in the back of the room. Don't you love the way that God's generosity gets a hold of us? Thank you. Please join us.
than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm, but I won't bow down. I hear your voice carrying the rhythm of the wind to blow me down. You would cross an ocean, so what would Never been closer than you are right now. You are enough.
you. It is so clear that God brought us to this place, this property, after praying and fasting for a couple of years. And I believe that that includes the fact that he placed us just one block north of Scheherazedek, the Jewish synagogue that sits on Swan Avenue. Their rabbi, Joel Simon, told me that their congregation is so excited about being our neighbors. They're excited about getting to know us and making us feel really welcome in the neighborhood. So much so that just a few weeks ago in May, they invited us to the synagogue for a dinner in order to help lead a dialogue and a discussion between Jews and Christians. Well, that night, Rabbi Simon shared the hard truth that there are more incidents of anti-Semitism happening in our community than you would ever guess. One of their teenagers even said that last year at Coleman Middle School, someone drew a huge swastika on a poster that she had created to announce a student Jewish gathering. Unbelievable. On my own street last Sunday, when I got home from church, these flyers were being distributed on my own street. This is the street that the Murphys live on, the Connors, the Mullinaxes. We all live on San Pedro Street. It's just half a mile from here. And you'll see both sides. It lists men and women, both locally and nationally, um, who are leading in various ways, but it's blaming them, all these Jewish men and women, for everything from COVID to how we respond to COVID as a culture. And the police even showed up asking questions to see if anyone had gotten any uh, security camera footage just to catch these people. Unbelievable. Well, in my own family, because of the brewing storm of anti-Semitism in Germany, my grandmother, who was Jewish by ethnicity but non-practicing, was walking on a Berlin River walk, taking her brother to school. It's the route they took every way to get to school. She was just a little bit older, so they would look out for each other. He was just 11 years old. And as they were walking on this river walk, some boys, kind of militant boys, came along and grabbed her brother and drowned him in the river right in front of her. <laughs> it just breaks my heart when I think about her and her life as a result of that. Enmity against the Jews has been going on since the first book of the Bible. And the story of Esther, the book that we have been immersing in, in this message series together, gives us this story that's like a story on repeat of the Jewish people once again hated, once again scapegoats for everything going wrong, and once again on the edge of annihilation. One scholar said, Jewish people are hated not because they have evil qualities, but evil qualities are looked for in Jewish people because they are so hated. 
Well, no one hated Jewish people more than a man named Haman. Haman was second in command to King Xerxes, and we find him in the book of Esther. King Xerxes ruled all over the people of Persia, including the Jewish people that had been conquered in Jerusalem and brought back to his kingdom of Persia a hundred years earlier. Well, King Xerxes, without knowing that Esther was Jewish, made her his queen because of her beauty. And Queen Esther kept her Jewish identity a secret because she was serving the king and things were going really well until it was revealed that her uncle Mordecai was a Jew. It all fell apart when Uncle Mordecai not only was revealed to be a Jew, but was asked by Haman to do something that as a Jew he could not do. Bow down and worship Haman. Because to bow down and worship Haman, second in command, was to break the second commandment when God said, you must not bow down or worship anything or anyone except for me. So what does Haman do? Haman launches a maniacal, genocidal effort to get rid of all, kill all Jewish people in Persia. And what's worse? He had the full permission of King Xerxes, who was known to be a brutal man and a drunken idiot. Known for it almost proud of it, which is why an ancient custom began to take place. Every time the Jewish people gather to hear the story of Esther read to them, each time they do this, any time the name of Haman comes up in the story as it's being read, children stomp their feet and the adults start booing. Endlessly. It's as if it's a symbolic way to blot out the name of Haman and his threat for Jewish generations to come, right? Well, we're going to do that this morning. When I read this story that you're about to hear, I want you to channel your inner child, stomp your feet, and boo every time you hear the name of Haman. I think you've got it in you. All right, there. We're off to a good start. It's a big story, and I'm going to be reading a lot to you. I don't want to interrupt it. So follow along with me and be ready to boo and stomp your head off, okay? Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman... Son of Hamadatha the Agagite over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. All the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by, for so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, Why are you disobeying the king's command? 
They spoke to him day after day, but still he refused to comply with the order. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct since Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, There is a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. The king agreed. So on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent to the king's highest officers, the governors of the respective provinces, and the nobles of each province in their own scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, giving the orders that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. Then the king and Haman, boo is right, sat down to drink. But the city of Susa fell into confusion. I bet. What do you do in your own life when you fall into confusion? When you're facing a circumstance that seems to have no way out? What do you do when your future is threatened by a person or by a circumstance? Because don't think for a minute that you have what it takes to handle it. But don't think for a second that God won't give you what you need. And Mordecai and Esther are about to learn that. So we're going to continue in our story with them in the next chapter. When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes, put on burlap and ashes, and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace, for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as news of the king's decree reached all the provinces, there was great mourning among the Jews. They fasted, wept, and wailed, and many people lay in burlap and ashes. It's like an outward sign of an inward grief, burlap and ashes. 
When Queen Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her about Mordecai, she was deeply distressed. Mordecai gave Hathak, Esther's attendant, a copy of the decree issued in Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him in 30 days. So Hathak gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. Then Esther sent this reply to Mordecai. Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go to see the king. If I must die, I must die. For Jews, prayer and fasting always goes together. And Mordecai refused to bow down to Haman, but to God, to God, Mordecai bowed down in fasting and in prayer. Moses did this. Abraham did this. King David, Jesus, Peter, they all did this. They all bowed down with their faces to the ground in desperate prayer. And the moment that you and I bow to God in prayer is the moment that God will lift his hand to help. Let me say that again. The moment that you and I bow to pray is the moment that God lifts his hand to help. If you are like Esther and you are facing an impossible situation, if you are, this is the time. This is the moment for a face-to-face, maybe even face-on-the-ground prayer to God, a desperate prayer to God. Three days of fasting is what Esther proclaimed, and that is optional for us. 
But the prayer of genuine humility is not optional. Because Esther would be able to enter the throne room of Xerxes as unpredictable as he was known to be only because she humbly entered the throne room of God first in prayer. I know that place, that place of utter desperation. I can think of many times in my life when I have been calling out to God, please God, please God, help me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, just hours before Jesus died on the cross, Jesus was distraught. And scripture tells us that Jesus fell on his face onto the ground in desperate prayer, calling out to God for help. There is no position more humbling when you are desperate than to just get down. Just like this. And some of you are thinking, this is really awkward. When is she going to get up? This is so strange. Please get up. But you know what? That's exactly the point. Because our world tells us, fight for yourself. Prove your point. Tell everyone what you can do. Promote yourself. And you know what? Esther could have done all those things in front of King Xerxes. But God says, oh no, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Because when you and I humble ourselves before God, he will lift us up. Desperation and humility isn't pretty, is it? But it is a step of faith. If you are someone who wonders if God is even real, I am so glad that you would choose to be here this morning, whether you're online with us or in this room. Because I want you to know that while it is completely natural to dislike being desperate, it's in that exact place of utter desperation where we can come to know just how real and how powerful God really is. That's what Esther is about to discover in this story. And that's what a friend of mine named Katie Kale, who's a member of this church, also discovered in her own life. And I'm going to allow Katie to tell you herself. Hi, good morning. I'm Katie Kale. I love the story of Esther. She is so brave and full of courage. She and her uncle and all of her people are in terrible danger. She completely trusts God in the middle and chooses to lean into her problems and fully embraces it. 
her uncle's advice to her for who knows if you've been chosen for such a time as this, inspire her. And she comes up with a plan that only works because the Lord's favor was completely on her. She doesn't have the whole picture of the book of Esther. She didn't know what would happen at the end, yet she chose to trust God in the middle of a really hard storm. I've had storms in my own life as well. When my husband and I got married, we longed for a baby. We decided to set up appointments at a fertility clinic, and at that very week, I found out I was pregnant. Our daughter is six now and has a brother and sister. It was difficult to trust God in that storm, but he was with us, and he's with you too. Katie's online with us. Katie, thank you so much for sharing that with us this morning. Katie was encouraged by Esther's decision to trust God in the middle of her story while it's still very confusing, in the middle of the storm. The story of Esther nudges us to believe that even though there are times when it feels like God is hidden or absent, that he is active, powerful, and we are invited by God to participate in faith for such a time as this. As you hear from Katie and you read about Esther and all of these other incredible men and women in the Bible, it's not hard to start thinking that they're so superhuman-like. It's hard to relate to them, that their spirituality seems unachievable. It's like trying to be Tom Brady or Serena Williams. I can't do that. But there is no such thing as a superhuman, not in the Bible, not anywhere else. I promise you that these men and women are just ordinary men and women, just like you and me, just like us. But God met them when they called out to him and needed him the most, and then God strengthened them in order to meet their circumstances in extraordinary ways. I mean, right now, you and I feel very ordinary and very average. But again, I'm going to declare that when we need extraordinary intervention and strength, God will be there and he will give us what we need, relief will come. This was Mordecai's message to Esther. This is God's message to you. Because if you are feeling undone by the struggle that you are facing right now, invite God to unleash his power within you to give you what you need to face the struggle. God would not only strengthen Esther, but he's going to help her operate in an extraordinary way. When you cry out for help, he's not only going to strengthen you, he's going to help you and I operate in an extraordinary, powerful way. But sometimes I wonder if the church has forgotten the power of God. On Sunday mornings, do we come in here to sit in a comfortable chair in order to hear a comfortable message so that we can leave here feeling comfortable? 
Do we know before whom we gather? Do we understand that demons fear and run at the sound of his name? That angels have been singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, since the beginning of creation? Do we comprehend his grandeur, his glory, his power? Let God be big and dare to believe that though God seems hidden or absent at times, that he is active, inviting you to participate in faith for such a time as this. The Apostle Paul summarized the book of Esther when he said this. And we know, he said, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know it, he said. And yet there are so many things we don't know, right? Esther doesn't know how her story is going to end up? Not yet. Not today. And so her uncle Mordecai then challenges her to take a step of faith. And the first thing she does in that step of faith is humble herself and call out to God for help. You and I don't know how our own story that is challenging is going to end up. But we too are being invited to take that step of faith. That is why I want to ask you this week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every day, I want you to take a step of faith. I want you to do something that requires faith every day. That might mean fasting and prayer. That might mean humbling yourself before God, maybe all the way to the ground, crying out for help. Every day, do something that requires faith. Why? Because we know, as Paul said, we know that in all things, all things, your situation included, God will work for the good for those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, meaning for such a time as this. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, Paul says we know, but to be honest with you, sometimes we just don't know because we're face-to-face in circumstances that are so overwhelming. Oh, God, help us as you helped Esther and Mordecai and Katie Kale. Help us to humble ourselves before you and call out for help. And then watch as you do the heavy lifting of lifting us up in our circumstances, of giving us the extraordinary strength and wisdom to meet those circumstances. Lord, thank you that that comes from your great love for us because you are a good, good father. And Father, I also pray for the one who wonders if you are real. Lord, would you help them as they face 
desperate circumstances in their own lives to just try on reaching out to you and discovering what we all know will happen, that you will show up big. You will show yourself to be real. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. And here we go to have some fun and to just, as a way of expressing our deep dependence on him, let's stand and outro ourselves together.